Amen. So today I want to I want to dig in a little more on our mission statement, which is nothing more than the Bible, whole bunch of Bible stuff packed into one tight little worded statement. That's all we're talking about. Amen. Amen. Live holy does not just apply to us. It's all the church. The whole church. Loving deeply, that's not just just us, although we're really making sure it's us. All of the church should be doing these things. Amen? Amen. And today I want to talk about raising up a generation who will speak truthfully. A generation who will, who will speak the truth in love. A very powerful component of our church's mission is to raise up a generation who will speak truthfully. And we cannot waver from this very important mandate. And as all of you are aware, as all of us know, we live in a day and time where truth is on trial. We live in a time frame where culture is aggressively attempting to redefine every aspect of society. And in our current cultural climate, it's more intimidating than ever to stand up for biblical truths that are seen as politically incorrect. Truth is being attacked, and speaking truth has practically become outlawed. But this is nothing new. You see, all the way back to Jesus' day, truth has been questioned. In fact, the very trial of Jesus before Pontius Pilate, Pontius Pilate, he puts out this very skeptical question in John 18, verse 37. Pilate's questioning Jesus and asks him, says, you are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to what? The truth. And everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? Retorted Pilate. And with this he went out again to the Jews and gathered there and said, I find no basis for charge against him. You know what? This question, it's still being asked. It is still being asked today. But here's the thing. I take great comfort in the words of Jesus that literally sparked that skeptical question. Jesus said this. He said, everyone on the side of truth listens to me. And so today I want to explore what it means to raise up a generation who speaks truthfully and why we've got to be diligent in this matter. Amen? So when we think about speaking truthfully, 
We must first realize that speaking truthfully is an action. We're not talking about just agreeing with truth, or we're thinking about truth, or just believing truth. We are talking about speaking truthfully. And that means we have to use our voices. We have to use our voice to proclaim truth. We have to teach the next generation that it's not enough just to believe, think, and feel good about truth, but you have to speak up, young men and women of God. And you know what? Over and over in the Bible, we are commanded to speak. Titus chapter 2 Verse 13 says, waiting, and I'm reading from the ESV. We don't have that. Oh, we do. Thank you, Chad. You're awesome. ESV, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for uh, for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. 15, declare. Everybody say, declare. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. This is a command. Speak up about the things of Jesus. And let no one put you off. Let no one disregard you. Matthew 28 Starting in verse 18, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them. Everybody say teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Over and over, we are told throughout Scripture to speak up. To declare that the kingdom of heaven is near. Paul is a wonderful example of this. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 1. It says, For you yourselves know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and had been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God. Everybody say, boldness in our God. Boldness in our God to declare, say, to declare to you the gospel of God in the midst. That's in the middle of, not after, not before it shows up, right in the very middle of conflict. And not just a little Much. Church, we are right in the middle of this kind of culture. Everywhere we hear and see messages telling us to shut up. To keep quiet. To keep your little church messages to yourself. But Paul tells us that he was shamefully treated in Philippi. 
But even though he was being harassed and shamefully treated, he had boldness in God to declare the gospel of God, even though there was a whole bunch of conflict going on around him. I hope that hits you hard. Because I believe that we've got to repent. We've got to repent. We've got to return to a bold declaring of the good news of Jesus Christ. Because the good news of Jesus Christ is truth. It is the truth. Jesus himself says, I am the way, the life, the truth. But people who don't, but, but what, what people don't like is that the good news of Jesus Christ requires a response. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ, it requires a change. And sadly, what is happening in churches all over America is that the gospel is being preached in a way that requires no response and no change. In fact, the message of hyper grace or unsanctified grace is ran- running rampant through the soulish churches. Because it's a soulish gospel that only, that only affirms people without addressing the nature of sin that lives in each and every one of us. And so we are charged with the mandate to raise up a generation who boldly proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ever since Jesus showed up on the scene, leaders and authorities have been demanding that we shut up and that we be quiet about the truth. Since the day he showed up. So guess what? There's nothing new that's happening around us today. None of this is new. What we're going through. The spirit of Antichrist who was working way back in Jesus' day to try to silence the declaration of truth, that same spirit, guess what? It's here. It's in America. It's in our city. That same spirit is alive on the earth, and it is still working to suppress and silence the voice of God's people. And did you know that we actually still have it better than the first century Christians did? Back then, they literally had to go to jail or they were killed for speaking the truth of Jesus Christ. Ain't no one in here died for Jesus yet. No, not yet. You may be dying for other stupid stuff, but you're not dying for Jesus yet. None of us are. 
I mean, really, the worst thing that happens in America is you get called a name. Maybe you lose your job. That's it. Now, that seems like it's maybe devastating, but compare that to losing your life. Compare that to going to jail and possibly never leaving. Getting fired, I'll do that all day long. We still have it better than the early Christians had it. The price that they paid to speak truth was their life. So we got to understand that it takes courage for us to speak up. Courage to, to speak the truth. And for us to raise up a generation to speak truthfully... We have to first model courageous speech. And I believe that there are some real serious roadblocks for us when it comes to speaking truthfully. And I believe the first one is probably the most obvious one. And it's this We are afraid. We're afraid. We're afraid to speak up. And just like the Antichrist spirit that's alive back in Jesus' day, that's here with us, fears nothing new either. It's not. When it comes to speaking God's truth, fear has been around harassing us since the beginning. In fact, we can see it over and over and over in Scripture where the people of God had been given a message to speak on behalf of God and they were afraid to say it. Ezekiel, great example. Chapter 2, verse 1. He said to me, Son of man, stand up on your feet and I will speak to you. This is God, by the way. As he spoke, the Spirit came into me and raised me to my feet, and I heard him speaking. Isn't that something? I ain't going to wait for you to get up, little boy. Stand up. (laughs) And he said to me, verse 3, Son of man, I am sending you to the Israelites, to a rebellious nation. Does that sound familiar? That has rebelled against me. Does that sound familiar? They and their ancestors have been in revolt against me to this very day. Jump to verse 6. And you, son of man, do not be afraid of them or their words. Do not be afraid, though briars and thorns are all around you and you live among scorpions. Do not be afraid of what they say or be terrified by them. Though they are a rebellious people, you must speak my words to them. And whether they listen or fail to listen, for they are rebellious. Doesn't matter. He didn't say, go get results. He said, you be faithful to what I'm telling you today. Whether they listen or not, it's irrelevant to you who stands before me, your maker. God had to encourage Ezekiel because it was real. 
He had to encourage Ezekiel not to be afraid of what people would say or how they are going to react. Prophet Jeremiah, he was the same way. God told Jeremiah to speak to the people, and then God told him the same thing. Do not be afraid, because God will be with him. Moses commanded to go speak to Pharaoh. And, and Moses, because he's scared, tries to put up all these excuses why I shouldn't be the guy. Well, you know. I shouldn't go. I, I can't go, you know. He just gives all these reasons. But God, he took the time with Moses and he dispelled every protest and every fear that Moses had. Even the Apostle Paul had experienced fear when it came to speaking about the gospel. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 3 Paul's talking to the Corinthian church and he says, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. He had his own fear issues that he had to deal with. In fact, here's Paul has a, a, a vision from the Lord that, to help literally calm his fears down. In Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 9. It says, one night the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and he says, do not be afraid. Everybody say, do not be afraid. afraid. Keep on speaking. Do not be silent. God had to come to him in the middle of the night and say to him, don't be afraid. Keep on speaking. Don't be silent for I am with you and no one is going to attack and harm you. Because I have many people in this city. Now God doesn't say, stay, say stuff just because he's bored. And he's like, oh, I haven't said anything to Paul. And you know, they say there's 365 fear not. So I better, I'm only on 364. So I better get 365 in there. So they have a cute way of saying every not every day of the year. He said fear not because guess what? Paul was scared. He was, he was trembling. He knew his life was on the line for what he was doing for God. And the Lord said, it's okay, don't be afraid. I'm going to be with you. Fear is a real hindrance when it comes to speaking truthfully. And there is a long list of fears for speaking truthfully. Here's some of them. Fear of rejection, fear of ridicule, fear of failure, fear of bodily injury, the fear of loss of your friendships, the fear of not knowing what to say, the fear of not knowing how a person's going to respond, the fear of trying something new and unknown, fear of not being able to answer a person's questions. The fear of intruding into someone's private life or private areas of their life. Fear that your fears will show. Fear that you're going to say something wrong. I've heard all of these. All of these fears are getting in our way from sharing the gospel, from speaking truthfully. But over and over in the Bible, we are promised 
that God is going to be with us. Everybody say amen to that. God is with us. 1 Peter chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even, even if you should suffer, which means it's possible. Even if you should suffer for what is right, guess what? You are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And always be prepared. Say, always be prepared. To give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But, everybody say, but. Do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. God has an answer for every fear that we have. And if you need some pointers, I encourage you to go to our church website. Go listen to Alger's message about fear again. It was great. How to deal with fear. We've got to do it. God didn't give it to us. We've got to kick it out. We have to rid ourselves of all those fears. If we are going to raise up the next generation to courageously spread the gospel, we have to get rid of the fear. Because guess what? You and I, we cannot impart or teach something that we don't first possess. Not going to happen if mom and dad's scared. Guess what? Little boys, little girls, they're going to be scared. You can't give it. You can't send them to church. We can't equip them enough to overrun what you are, what you do. We can't do it. You are the most powerful thing in the life of your little person. You're the most. So if you think you're going to send them here and Mike Brown or someone else is going to teach them to go prophesy on the streets and then you never do it, guess what? You're wrong. Because you've imparted fear. You've modeled fearful speech. You've modeled silence. We cannot impart or teach something we don't have. So we've got to look at our hearts and we have to ask, what am I afraid of if I speak truthfully? And whatever the Holy Spirit reveals, God has a solution. This is too important for us to ignore. Our nation is in truth decay. And it is because the church is too scared to speak up. Jeremiah had to say things that people did not like. 
Ezekiel had to say things that people didn't like. Jesus, Paul, and the disciples all had to say things that people didn't want to hear. But they loved God. Everybody say, I love God more than what people think. They love God more than their own lives. Literally, my devotion to Him was so strong that my life meant nothing to me following through with speaking truthfully. And they sacrificed everything so that people like you and me could hear this gospel. And that we could reap the benefits of their faithfulness. Are you faithful to the message of Jesus Christ? Are you faithful to go into all the world and to teach and share the gospel and make disciples? Because the next generation, it's hanging in the balance. So let's show them what courageous speech really looks like. Amen? Here's another reason we don't speak truthfully. And I hope it hits you in the gut like it hit me. So here's a punch in the solar plexus from the word. It's that spot right here where it makes you, you lose your breath, you want to throw up when you get punched there. Here it is, you ready? Another reason why we don't speak truthfully is because we are ashamed of the gospel. We have allowed the world to shame us into believing the gospel is irrelevant, inaccurate, inappropriate, and intolerant. We have allowed the world to place condemnation on the very message that God himself has given to us, his children. And we have been deceived by the cunning and craftiness of godless, humanistic reasoning. And because we don't know our Bibles like we should, the world has gained an edge on us. We really don't know what the Bible says about social issues. And if we do know what the Bible says about certain issues, we have allowed the world to shame us into believing that we're intolerant or irrelevant. The problem is we care more about our reputation with the world than we do our reputation with God. And so many Christians are now ashamed of what the Bible says about sex, about gender identity issues, about sanctity of life issues, about marriage issues, about drug and alcohol use and abuse issues, entertainment issues. 
we have become ashamed of the gospel, and that is why we don't speak truthfully. We're truly living Judges 17. Verse 6, it says this in the ESV. It says, In those days there was no king in Israel, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. You see, in our shame, we have removed King Jesus from the throne of our hearts. And we've placed our reputation on the throne instead. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel. Because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. If we are going to raise up a generation who will speak truthfully, then we are going to have to free ourselves from the shame and condemnation that the world has put on us. So how do we do that? Let's look at Jesus. Jesus had to deal with incredible, incredible amounts of shame in his mission. In fact, as he's coming to the end of his mission, Jesus, when we look at his life, we can see that he was abandoned by his friends. How shameful is that? He was abandoned by his friends. He was uh, accused of blasphemy. He was beaten with rods. He was ridiculed. He was taunted. He was stripped of his clothing. Scourged with a whip. Tortured in public. And made to look like a fool as people yelled at him while he hung on the cross. And they mocked him saying, you saved others, save yourself, big boy. Huge amounts of shame were put on Jesus. And what does the Bible say? What did Jesus do with all this shame, all this shaming behavior that he was surrounded with? What would you do? Well, Hebrews 12 tells us what he did. Verse 2, it says, Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus looked at his shame, and the Bible says, he despised it. Now what does that even mean? It means that when shame began to threaten his heart and to tempt him to abandon speaking truthfully about God, and about the gospel, he looked at shame and he said, shame, I despise you. I will not yield to you. I will not give you the satisfaction you can do with me whatever you please. But in the short run, that you may have your way. But in the long run, I win. And I will obey God. 
I'm not going to follow you, shame. I'm not going to obey you any longer. I despise you. And I'm not going to let you rule me. How could he do that? How, How could we do this? Well, it says in verse 2, it says, for the joy that was set before him. You see, shame was literally stripping away every earthly support system that he had. Everything. His friends left him in shaming abandonment. His reputation was giving way to shaming slander. His decency It gave way to shaming nakedness. His comfort gave way in shaming torture. So if his present supports were all being stripped away in shaming persecution, how did he not surrender to this kind of level of shame? And say, I quit. (laughs) I'm done. Can't do it anymore. No one loves me. All my friends are gone. I'm standing here naked and shredded in blood before all of the public. I'm out. I'm tapping out. What kept him from being able to do that? Not to surrender to the shame. It says that his heart was not set on those support systems. Not on the present. His heart was set on the joy of the future that he would very soon experience. Sitting down at the right hand of God's throne. Though he was being shamed, Jesus was not ashamed of God and the word. Why? Because God had the power to save him from death and give him all satisfying glory. It is the eternal joy of eternal salvation in obeying God our Father that is supposed to give us the power to push through the shame. That's your fuel, that's your motivation. Because here's the deal. When we share the gospel with others, when you share it, when I share it, it's going to bring shame. You're going to get the same treatment. Jesus was shamed for the gospel. Paul was shamed for the gospel. As long as we hold on to this fantasy that being a Christian is supposed to shelter us from all shame, we will never fulfill the Great Commission. Do you hear what I'm saying? The Apostle Paul and Jesus himself would say that we will suffer for the gospel. We will be misunderstood, we will be shamed, but we should never be ashamed. We have to settle this in our hearts. 
You and I are going to be shamed for speaking truthfully. But we don't have to be ashamed. And we've lost this. We've lost this, this reality that, guess what? You're not going to be protected from it all. The message of God's saving work in Christ is the only final triumphant message in the world. It's time we grow up and embrace some short-term pain so we can reap some long-term gain. You see, it is for the joy of the salvation that is set before us that we take up our cross and we follow Jesus, that we get shamed without being ashamed. Our job is to despise it and not give in to it. John Piper made this statement. He says, the gospel does two things. It brings out shaming behavior in those who will not believe it. And it gives freedom from shame to those who do believe it. To raise up the next generation to speak truthfully, we must rid ourselves of these two cancers on our soul. It is not loving to anyone to keep the gospel hidden from them just because they act like they don't want the good news of Jesus. We owe our lives to God. And in return, what he asks is that we share his message with the dying world. That's it. We owe our lives to him. And he's just asking, just go tell someone else. All he asks is that we would pass on the life-saving message of truth. That's what it means to speak truthfully. We share the truth that comes from the word of God. The truth of God's good news that we can be free from every sin and sickness. That's the truth we're supposed to speak about. Listen, everyone is born broken some way. We all, when we're born, we all have that sin nature. Every one of us. Now, not everyone manifests their brokenness the same, though. Some manifest this, this inherent brokenness when it comes to addiction. Some fear, some in gender identity issues, some in sexual orientation, some in physical or mental disability, some in pride and perfectionistic control. Sin has left its mark on every human on the planet. And we are called to speak truthfully and share the good news that we can be made new. We can be made into a brand new human, made in the image of Jesus Christ, which, by the way, is an image that requires all other images die. Whoever you think you are in the flesh must bow its knee to the image of Jesus Christ. 
Romans 8, 29 says, For, for those God foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. You see, once we conform our lives to the image of Jesus first, then the very best of who we were created to be can come out. Our message has to be that everyone falls short of God's glory. All of us. And we're doomed to death. But Jesus came and he paid the debt of our sins. The debt my sin and your sin created. And if we will believe in him, we literally can have eternal life. I'm telling you, church, we have to speak truthfully. We cannot afford to pass on to the next generation fear and shame and condemnation from the world for the message that has been given to us. You will experience shame when you share the gospel. Jesus did, Paul did, the disciples did. They all experienced shaming things that happened to them as a result of speaking truthfully. And if we fail to speak truthfully and fail to raise up the next generation to speak truthfully, then we will have failed our generation. We must endure our cross, despise its shame, and look forward to the joy of salvation in Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15, it says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness respect we are raising up the next generation to love deeply serve sacrificially and speak truthfully because if God be for us who can be against us so I know this is hitting you so I just, I want to lead us through some prayer. If you guys would put some music on real soft, and I'm going to, if you find that you're in this place where, yeah, I've, I've been, I'm afraid, and I've let shame and condemnation touch my heart from what the world says about the gospel. I'm just going to pray a prayer, and I want you guys just to repeat it after me. you don't want to you don't have to for those of you who are convicted right now by the Holy Spirit I ask you to just pray this prayer after me out loud just pray this say I repent for giving place to spirits of fear shame and condemnation I repent for being silent and not sharing the good news of the gospel. Forgive me, Lord, 
for not being willing to share my faith with others. I believe in the truth of Jesus Christ. And just like the Apostle Paul, I pray for boldness and courage to fearlessly speak the mystery of the gospel. In Jesus' name, amen.